Welcome, worshipers. You are listening to the online service of the McGregor Evangelical Mennonite Church for Sunday, May 16th, 2021. If you'd like to sing along with words in front of you, you can pause here and find the first two songs in our hymn book, Hymns for the Living Church, number 588, We Have Come Into His House, and number 383, Open Our Eyes, Lord. The remaining songs are Change My Heart, O God, by Eddie Espinosa, Blessed Are They, by David Haas, and Jesus, Help Us Live in Peace, by Gerald Durstein. This is the first Sunday after Ascension Day and the start of a new series on the Sermon on the Mount. Let's worship together. I'll be reading Psalm 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk and step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked, they are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction.
Change my heart, oh God, may I be like you. You are the potter, I am the clay. Hold me and lead me, this is what I pray. Change my heart, oh
Please bow with me in a word of prayer. Our Lord, we come before you this Ascension Sunday, so amazed at what you have done for us. That not only were you born human, not only did you live a human life, not only did you die for our sins, not only were you resurrected, but that then too, you ascended into heaven still fully human so that we can understand you still. God, we cannot put into words how amazing we find this to be. How amazing these acts of love on your behalf are to us. In every way, God, they form us. In every way, God, they hold us to a new life. And so we say from the bottom of our existence, thank you. For that you did this, we can again see how we can be human as we were meant to be without sin. Lord, we pray that the enormity of that never passes us by. Lord, we thank you for this. And our God, as we now, for the next few weeks, Look to focus in on your teachings in the Sermon on the Mount. God, we pray that every Sunday that we spend focusing on your teachings, it does not evade us, that they come to us at all because you loved us as much as you do. Lord, we pray that that percolates in us. Lord, we pray that that ruminates in us. Lord, we pray that we cannot hold that in who we are, that we find the need to share that as far and as wide as we possibly can, for it changes everything. And so we praise you. In your name we pray, amen. Matthew chapter five, verses one through 20. New International Version. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, 
and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees, and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Over our last series in which we talked about hope, we spent a fair amount of time on how if we want to know how to be human beings as we were created to be, the person we needed to look at was Jesus Christ, God in human form. Jesus Christ, who all these years later, though he has now ascended into heaven, is still as human as he is divine, and as such is still the model for how we can be human as we were meant to be. If you want to act in a way that will, with God's help, bring true hope to the world, then look to Jesus Christ for a model of how to do just that, we said during that series. Believe in him, pray, and live your life based on his life, his teachings, we said during our last series. Then you will show his biblical hope to the nations. You won't be able to help it. But that is kind of where we left that conversation, as we had a lot to cover in only three weeks if we were going to achieve our goal of painting an overview of what biblical hope is actually about. Which I think we did, but now the time has come to begin that deep dive, to look at how we actually do that, actually live as Christ teaches, to explore how we are to act as people who will, with God's help, Bring the hope of our Lord to the world. Over the next seven weeks to come, between now and the end of June, we are going to be looking at the place in the Gospels that best shows us how our Lord teaches us to do just this. It is a passage that I assume we all think is very important, but nevertheless, often little time is spent letting it actually impact our daily lives. No longer. Do you want to be an ethical person? Do you want to be a virtuous 
person? Do you want to be the kind of person that brings hope to the world around you? Then this is where you begin. With your Bible open to Matthew 5, to the Sermon on the Mount. And as you turn there, you see immediately that it begins with a short list. A list that is going to be our focus for today. The items on this list are called the Beatitudes. While that might sound like an odd name, it's Latin. It means the blessings, which I think we can all agree is a fitting name. And together, they are how Jesus begins the sermon that forms the backbone of his teachings about how you should live your life, about how you should act as you go about your day. And that this is the beginning to the sermon as a whole is an important thing to keep in mind for a reason that we will come back to by the end of our message today. But first, I want to go through the Beatitudes line by line to see a bit about what they have to teach us. And to do this, there is something important that we need to note. And that is that there is actually two distinct but also equally right ways that this passage can and should be read. And we are going to now look at the first, and likely the way that you are more familiar with. That is to read the Beatitudes as wisdom teachings, like Proverbs. Wisdom from Jesus to you, all about how to live your life right. And we begin with, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit, this first beatitude begins. It's interesting to note that the word for poor in spirit here also just means poor. The idea being that it doesn't really matter if you lack money, possessions, spirit, or even relationships. It is the lacking itself is what makes you poor. Because what the lacking means is that you cannot fully care for yourself. So, blessed are those among us who are not self-sufficient, you can read. Blessed are those who depend on others, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Why is that? Well, I ask you. How can the kingdom of heaven be yours if you only rely on yourself? It can't be. You won't ever even think to look for it. No, unless you are poor, unless you need to rely on others and on your Savior, how can you ever see the kingdom that God has made? How else can you know you need that kingdom in the first place? So if you want to apply this wisdom to your life, then I tell you this. Learn to rely less on yourself and learn to rely more on others and on God, and you will be closer to the kingdom of heaven than ever before. Next, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Understood as a wisdom teaching, this verse has often been understood with God's promise that in the hard times of life, in the trials and tribulations, the times in which we mourn, if you stay strong in God, you will emerge out the far side closer to our Lord than ever before. More than that even, if you stay strong in God, you can also know that he will not abandon you. He will be with you through those times, a truth that time after time God promises throughout Scripture. James 1, 1 to 13 is what I'm thinking of when I, when I say this. There are trials in life that will test you, it states. So cleave to Jesus and he will be with you through it all and you will grow out the far 
side of it. And so, to apply this wisdom to your life, I say, as you go through the hardships of life, stand strong in our God. He will comfort you and he will guide you to the lessons the trial can bear for you so that at least in the end, you will have been made better for your pain. Not always a welcome lesson, but a valuable one all the same. Next, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. As wisdom, this one has been understood something like this. To be meek is to be submissive, and so our Lord calls to us, be meek in the presence of our God. Submit to his will and the plans he has for you. Do this, and all the powers of earth will not stand before you, for how could they possibly stand before the might of the will of God? To apply this wisdom, I tell you, when you feel the Lord pulling you in a direction you might not want to go, to serve though you might not want to, to give though you would rather not, to reach out to others though you would rather be at home doing anything but, instead, choose to be meek before our God and follow as he leads. Or... Also, you can read it something like, if you really want to do something that you know full well is headlong against your faith, maybe don't. Next, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. As wisdom, this has been understood something like, always turn your priorities in life toward God. Hunger and thirst for him. Make him your master above all else. Place your own desires to the side and choose to be in service to the Lord on high. To desire righteousness is to make God your alpha and omega. Do this and without a doubt, even the hungriest of souls will be filled. The word of God is as deep as the ocean itself, abounding with all we could ever ask for. If you feel yourself lacking nourishment for the soul, if you feel yourself dry, then open its pages and pray, even if you feel nothing just now. Continue to dive deep into the Lord and with other believers. Serve as he leads in his church, and in time, you will know the fulfillment you desire. Next, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. As wisdom, how this has been taught has been as an exhortation to live as God calls us to live in relation to others who would do us harm, or actually more often, who owe us and cannot afford to repay. When wronged, this wisdom of Jesus teaches us to be merciful as God has been merciful to you. After all, how can you be worthy of God's mercy if you do not show this same courtesy to others? Think of the story of the man who owed his master a great debt in Matthew 18, 21 to 25. The master forgave this man. He in turn immediately threw another that owed him just a pittance into jail, to which the master called in his debt in full. Do you want to bring this wisdom into your life? Do you want to have the mercy of God? Then show mercy to those who don't deserve it from you. Let lenience be your default. Be slow to anger. Maybe be slow to enter into situations where mercy is required in the first place. But when you do, don't be immediately so concerned that showing mercy means you are going to be taken advantage of. There is something more important here at play. Reflect God this way and you will know his mercy in turn. Next, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. 
As wisdom, how this has been read, is something self-explanatory. How else can you hope to be pure of heart except by being in a close relationship with the God who purifies your heart in the first place? So strive in all things to be without wickedness and blame. Strive to be more than the sins that tie you down. Strive to live as Christ teaches us to live. Do this the only way you can, by relying on God. And in doing so, you will see him work in your life clearly. Next, and this one's my favorite for reasons that will come up in future weeks, but blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Read as wisdom, to choose peace in a world of violence can truly only be done with the help of our God can truly only be done if you are someone for whom God's grace has fully permeated them. Who else would have the strength to work for peace in a world that demands retribution, demands vengeance, demands their way come hell or high water? So in the face of this, always remember that God loves his creation, and because of this, he desires peace for it. Think Psalms 4 verse 8, in peace I lie down in safety, for God is my defense. So if you want to live by this wisdom, in all things I tell you, work to bring the peace of God. In all things, work to head off destruction before it can even begin. Work to calm the waves in a way that lasts. Do this and you will show yourself to be one who is a child of God. And finally, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Read as wisdom, this has been taken as a call to stand strong in the face of persecution. A real problem during the time of Christ and for much of the history of the church as well. But do this. Stand strong, though all the world wants you to turn away, and for your reward, without a doubt, there will be a place for you in the kingdom of heaven. This verse has been a comfort to the martyrs throughout all of the ages, the truth that they needed to keep on. And so when the world is stacked against how God is calling you, or maybe less dramatically but more applicable to us living today, If you would rather take a different path because you are tired of dealing with being a Christian, this wisdom calls you to stand strong. Keep running that race because in the end, it will be worth it. These are the Beatitudes. And although they each have been interpreted in a myriad of ways, as all pieces of wisdom are, these are some of the more common. And you can apply each of them to your life today. Seek to follow them and you will become a more ethical person, a more virtuous person. They are undoubtedly high ideals to aspire to. After all, it is easy to say, make peace. But if the world is staring you down with a gun in its hand, that makes things a lot more difficult. But the goal here is to head in the direction that Jesus points you with them. Do that and you will be walking toward a life that is truly hope-filled and truly human because that is what the wisdoms are about. They are ways to live in the here and now to move toward that life that God made you for. To retain and amplify your saltiness as Jesus says a few verses later, which is a good thing. But, as you may now be remembering, I said this isn't the only way that this passage is meant to be read. 
The Beatitudes are absolutely meant to be read as wisdoms for how to live your life. That is why they are worded as they are, as Proverbs. Think if I said, once upon a time, you know what I was going to say after that is going to be a fairy tale of some sort. So too, if something has this form, you know it's going to be giving you wisdom for how to live your life. But in them, there is also something more. There is also something prophetic. And to see what I mean by that, we actually need to take a quick glance at a different passage. Isaiah 61. There we read, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. And later we also see the brokenhearted come up. And then later we see those who mourn. And then later we read that God will bring a double portion to those who are shamed for standing strong in their faith in him. When you read the Beatitudes, Jesus is not just making new ways of living a godly life up, not just pulling them out of the air. Read verses 17 and on in our passage today, and you readily see that Jesus is not a big fan of doing that kind of thing. But instead, what he is doing when he proclaims the Beatitudes is he is taking scripture from the Old Testament, Isaiah 61 in particular, and he is doing something amazing with it. Because when you read Isaiah 61, what you are reading there, it isn't wisdom literature. Isaiah 61 isn't a passage about how to live your life at all. No, what it is, is a passage about prophecy. It is a passage about how one day God will make things right. It is a passage about how one day God will raise up those who are low and bring down the wicked. It is a passage about how one day what Jesus calls the kingdom of heaven will be built, will come. That is what Isaiah 61 is about. It is about that day when things are set right. So when we read the Beatitudes, It is this prophecy that Jesus is quoting through and through, but what is amazing is that he tells it to us in a new way. He tells it to us in such a way that no longer is it just something that will happen one happy day. No, how Jesus tells it to us, as we just saw, is in the form of wisdoms, teachings that are meant to be lived out. To put this a different way, if you live according to the wisdoms that Jesus teaches us in the Beatitudes, not only will you be living a good life, but you will also be living in a way that is realizing the prophecy of God from Isaiah 61. To live according to the wisdom of the Beatitudes, Christ is telling us with his teachings is to live in a way that is building the coming kingdom of God. How amazing is that? And when you keep this in mind, the Beatitudes, they begin to say something even more than they did before. Because in Isaiah 61, remember that God is declaring that he will always be with those who mourn, will always be with those who are poor and who suffer for his name's sake. He will lift them up. Take that and bring it now to the Beatitudes. And what you end up with is Jesus repeating this promise. The Lord your God hasn't forgotten you, is what this passage now also says to the hungry, the meek, and the peacemakers. 
The Lord your God has now and will always have your back. This passage repeats to the poor, the merciful, the righteous, and the pure. These people who were the least among their peers in the time of Isaiah and yet were still beloved by God. Jesus now repeats in our passage today as he rephrases Isaiah 61 as wisdom are still the people that God is for. And now the plan is in place for how to lift them up. If we are being called by Jesus to live out the wisdoms that we find in the Beatitudes, I want you to note something. It is not possible to do that in any way that does not help those who are already poor, who are already mourning, and who are already peacemakers. It is not possible to live out the wisdom teachings of the Beatitudes without living for those who are seeking to be pure-hearted, who are meek, merciful, or who are being persecuted. It is not possible to live according to the wisdom of God found in the Beatitudes and not work with Christ's help to bring to bear the prophecy we read in Isaiah 61, where it is these people who are the least among us who are lifted up before our God and those who trod upon them are humbled. For as we saw before, To live the wisdom of the Beatitudes is to live in such a way as to, with God's help, build the coming kingdom of heaven. And with it, bring this true hope to all creation. And this is where we finally come to that fact that I said was important that we would hit on right at the end of today. That this passage is at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, right at its start. And the reason that it's here, I think, is actually pretty obvious. You probably already guessed it. It's here because the Beatitudes, they serve as the introduction for what is in the sermon to come. The Beatitudes are not meant to be the place that you stop. But instead, they are the launching off part for the next two chapters combined. For if living by the Beatitudes is all about building the coming kingdom of heaven, the sermon that is to come is the breakdown of how that can be done, as well as how it shouldn't be done. The rest of the sermon to come takes a look at all of the ways the world today is not the world that God has promised to those listed in the Beatitudes. And it shows how, with his help, we can make that right. It shows how little things impact the big things that are the millstones around the necks of those that are on the bottom of the pile. And it shows us in detail how we can live in such a way as to become the people that God is for, become human beings as we were meant to be. And in that, how to bring the hope that is so very badly needed in our world today, like a light to the top of a hill for all to see. This and more is what we will be tackling over the next six weeks to come. But in the meantime, I invite you now to live according to the wisdoms that we found in the Beatitudes today. Let us be poor and rely on God. Let us cling to our God when we mourn so that we can be comforted and grow in him. Let us be meek and submit to our Lord's will. Let us thirst for righteousness and as such drink from the water of life at its source. 
Let us be merciful to those who do not deserve it, reflecting the mercy of our Lord to the world. Let us seek to be pure by relying on the one who purifies us. Let us make peace, though it is so hard, and in doing so show the world how God has claimed us for his own. And let us stand strong in our faith, for if we head in the direction these wisdoms of Christ point us, we will be living in such a way that the glory that is to come with God's help will finally draw near. Our benediction today comes from the book of Romans. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God! How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways! For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Go now and live for our God.